this is so much easier when some of you were little in Master Club. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, at least uh, Pastor Mackay is not going to be up on that box like uh, in the Muppets and, you know, talking to me as I'm preaching. <laughs> Just thinking. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. I thought this was going to be a much smaller crowd when I first came in, almost late myself. Um, but we're here. So... Um, Let's open with a, a, just a quick prayer for me, and then we'll get into the message. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Lord, help me to speak your word tonight, Lord. Help me to um, uh, convey the message that you've uh, put in my heart. And, and uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, the people that, hear, that are here tonight, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to them through this, uh, through this passage. And, Lord, uh, I thank you for giving it to me because it's, it's been an encouragement to me as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, tonight we're going to be talking about the sower so the god the parable of the sower so please open your bible to luke 8 and we'll read through verses 5 through 8. i forgot to bring mine so i still have all the electronic stuff <laughs> new age by pastor i guess all right so luke 5 and 8 we read a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell by the wayside and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Verse 6, And some fell on upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell in good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath, ear, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if we scroll down to verse 11, we know Jesus explains that the seed of the passage in this parable is the word of God. And over in Matthew 13, in verse 37, we read that he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but in my 20 years of being a Christian, especially in this church, because this is the only church I've been in, I've read this parable before. I've read this passage before several times. But as I was studying for this passage and building up for a testimony, it started to take on a bit of a different resonance for me. And so go through that today for you. Um, I started to personalize this with my own experience from the first point of an unsaved person. I've always looked at this passage, reading it as a saved person, and going at it from the point of view of being in church and being a church member, looking at this parable as a bit of a warning of how some people will not accept the gospel, while others will accept the gospel and either grow or not. As I study this passage, I've started to look at my own salvation, how these passages have come full circle for me, and how the importance of being faithful it is as a witness. Growing up, I had the privilege of being born here in Vancouver, one of the greatest places to live, I think. I had a wonderful family. I still have a wonderful family. Let's correct that. I still have a wonderful family. Now, my parents were not Christians. A lot of my ways, they were non-religious when I was growing up. We didn't go to church. We didn't read the Bible. Yet, we were still good people. We celebrated Christmas, and we enjoyed Easter. 
but only from a worldly point of view because we wanted presents and chocolates, right? The Easter Bunny comes around for chocolates. My sister and I were not raised with in a, in a church setting, but we were at least given Christian values because we grew up in Canada. In my later years, I began to spend more, um, in my later years, in my teen years, I spent a lot of time with my parents. And when I, grades 11 and 12, yeah, I spent a little bit more time with my friends, but I never lost that relationship with my parents. We should be very thankful that our Heavenly Father is merciful, full of grace and love, especially if it has to deal with people like me. Very hard, hard, very hard-headed at times. Um, if you were an astrologer, you know I'd be a Taurus, which makes me a bull, and again, very stubborn. But for me, God was very faithful. And as I was talking about earlier, growing up in Vancouver, he was very faithful and sent several sowers over the years. And while I was building this passage, three of them came to my mind. At the age of around, well, let's say, seven or eight, I got to attend a single day of vacation Bible school. It was great. I can't really remember what I was doing. I do remember someone trying to teach me the Trinity at age seven or eight, and I was debating him because it made absolutely no sense. I felt sorry for that teacher afterwards as, a, as an adult. Now, around 16 or 17, as I said, I grew up in Vancouver. I went to John Oliver Secondary. For whatever reason, we were coming out of school one day. It wasn't a special day. There was no holiday that was coming up. There was a group handing out Bibles to all 2,000 students that wanted a Bible as we came out of high school. I remember declining it, but I thought it was odd. I've never seen that before, and I don't think I've ever seen it since. And when I was about 20, so this is around the year 2000, not to give away my age or anything, a very pretty work colleague introduced me to Metro through a Bible night-themed dinner. It was a fun event. It was a little different than attending a church. Each of these three stories all have the same thing in common. I rejected Christ. Every one of them. I know it's not something to be proud of, it, but it's just a simple truth. Someone sowed, I declined. Move on. The other thing that's in common about all these stories that God was sowing the good seed through members of the body. He sent a sower each and every time. I can recall at least on two of those stories, the gospel was explained, like the parable said in verse 5. The sower went out and sowed seed, and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. That's what happened. Someone told me those two times, it didn't stick. Standing in front of you today, it feels weird to think, oh, sorry, hang on. Which of you, uh, sorry, <laughs> let me back up. Which is why Jesus teaches in verse 12 in this parable, what happened to me when that good seed was sown? Those by the wayside and they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word of the hearts, 
lest they should believe and be saved. Standing in front of you today, I find it hard and weird to think that the devil simply came by and snatched away the word out of my heart. We like to think the devil doesn't exist, but that is the truth because that's what it says in verse 12. After each of those instances, I continued living my life the way I wanted to. Now, thankfully for my parents, I was a pretty good D2-shoe. I grew up wanting to, to live a good life. Still meant that I was a good son. I was a good person. Well, while I could have done a lot of things, I didn't like to drink. Never enjoyed it. Didn't like to smoke. Nor did I ever get involved in drugs. I simply wanted to work hard, get ahead in life, and provide for myself and my family. Nothing wrong with that, but that's just kind of the way the world worked. Now, if you remember, I mentioned a very pretty work colleague. That work colleague invited me to that church event early in the year 2000. Now, attending that dinner was a lot of fun. Pastor Beliveau, who used to be our assistant pastor here, ran it that night at his house, not a church event. And I finally, um, it wasn't a life-altering, it wasn't a mind-blowing event, it was just a dinner. It was a bit fun because we got to dress up, put headbands on, we turned off the electric lights and we dimmed it down and we pretended it was Bible time dinner. Had some, I remember playing a few games, I remember talking to a few people. I may have left that dinner unsaved. But I got a hint of who the church was. If it wasn't for that event, I don't know what would have happened. Before that event, I often thought church was a bunch of boring Bible thumpers. Overall, something to avoid. Even wrote that down. Very true. I was 20 didn't want to be part of the church, but it was important. Having that event led me to attend a non-churchy, less preachy event that broke the ice. And let me see members who, as to who they were. A bunch of friendly people wanting to have fun but loving something. Over the next year, Pastor Mackay did his best to meet with me and explain the gospel. We had a good time, but I'm sure I frustrated him. <laughs> At the very least, that same very pretty work colleague had me attending church occasionally until God finally sent one last sower. Now, like before, God continued to always be faithful and show charity to me. And sending that one last sower sent Dr. Halsey at a missions conference, of all things. Not a revival conference, not a Sunday morning where we preach the gospel. We're preaching about financials. <laughs> I do like telling the story, and I think I've got the time. It was a fun little event. We were over at the old Eastburn Community Center, and I've told this for years in front of Pastor. He hasn't heard this before. He lied. No, I caught him on this one because 
He says this was not a setup, but I know it was. You can see this. At the end of this first service, we did a lunch like we often do. I mean, we're good Baptists, we eat. And then we would do the second part of the service on the missions conference. And the way he always does this, and this is where he says he's not lying, I mean, you, can, you might disagree with me and say he's telling the truth. But he lets all the visitors and the, and, and the, uh, the visiting missionaries come through first. I was set up. And at the time, we didn't have a big room. It was wide and long like this. And we had, I think, 120 people. I don't know. Pastor Kai might know. But the way we used to do this was like big, long rows of tables. And we didn't have room to move around. So you'd get your food, and you'd go to the end of the table. And just whoever you sat next to was the person in line. And so I sat down. Now that very pretty work, work colleague ended up being Kim. And Dr. Halsey parked right in front of me. <laughs> And without a word of a lie, I'm telling the truth. He sits down. He doesn't say, hi, good morning, how are you doing? He sits down and goes, are you saved? <laughs> I'm not an honest person. I don't mind telling the truth. I looked at him and went, no. <laughs> he didn't bat an eye. He just looked at me and said, why not? I had nothing for him. <laughs> nothing. Got saved that point, got saved by Dr. Halsey. That missions conference was a great day. I was saved. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Salvation isn't the end of where we need to be. Nor is it the end of this parable. If we go back to our parable, verse 5 talked about a sower sowing. But verses 6 through 8 talk about what happens. So I'll read again. Verse 6. Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And the others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. Like verse 5. Jesus explains the meaning of these verses to his disciples as they didn't understand it either. Same way as I didn't understand it the first time I heard it. So we'll continue down to verses 13 through 15. Jesus says, They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and they have no fruit, which for a while believe and in a time of temptation fall away. And that which fall among, them, the, among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. And what on the good ground are they, which is an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keeping it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Now, I don't know about you, but when you enter a competition or do you chair for your favorite team, do you want them to simply do good, better than most of the other teams? You know, about 50-50, let's go for that, cheer for that. Or do you want the best out of your team, right? You don't cheer for your team to go, let's lose. If you are, don't cheer for my teams, okay? They have a trouble enough some days. Now, my salvation would have been good 
at the missions conference if all that happened was verse 6. And I withered away. Because at the very least, I would have been saved. Luke 15, 7 says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and I, that persons which need no repentance. Reminds me of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But I would have been saved. No fruit. Now, my salvation at the missions conference would have been better. if what had happened to was verse 7. And I sprang up, and the thorns choked me out. At the very least, I may have earned some rewards in accordance to 1 Corinthians 3. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, talking about salvation, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. And if the man's works abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. I would have been saved, in verse 6. I would have had saved in maybe some good works, some rewards in verse 7. can't see the clock, so I don't know how I'm doing for time. <laughs> okay. Standing here, I think it would surprise a lot of people who haven't known me these 20 years at Metro Baptist Church to know 6 and 7 still applied to me when I was young Christian. But I didn't stay there. I've had thorns come up. I've had cares of this world come up. Now, after my salvation, I had a big care. That family that I'd grown up, my parents that I loved spending time with, for about six months, we didn't talk. That was a big loss in my life but I loved God more. Took a while, had to rebuild that relationship. What about the next verse? I had other cares. I bought a house. That old house needed repairs. Most of you might not remember this, but I ended up coming out of the church for about three or four months repairing that house until pastor called me and said, where are you? And I got back into church. We need to pray for this man. He cares more for me than sometimes I care for me. That wasn't in my notes. Now, my salvation was the best thing to happen, as stated in verse 8, as I was able to spring up and bear fruit. Since the seed of salvation has entered my life and started to grow, I'm no, longer, I'm no longer being watered, but fed. Jesus has been patiently tending to the soil of my life, 
to bring the best out in me. Like a little child growing up, it starts with milk. Small truths. Innocent truths. Later on, some rice. Finally, until Jesus could start to feed me some meat. I've been blessed in this church to be discipled. I went through A through 26, all 26 letters. Should have only taken about half a year, but it took me a year and a half with Pastor Belleville. We had a lot of fun. I've been able to attend parenting classes multiple times. I needed it. FBI, I'm going through for the second time. I serve in my church. Helps me stay connected. Helps me meet some of the people that come in that are new here. I might not remember your names, and I for please forgive me for that, but I'm so glad you're here when you come the first time. I'm going back to the beginning of my sermon. I mentioned this per sermon. This passage came full circle to me as I read it. The seed is the word of God. And in a sense, so are you and I. As we are all now sowers of that same seed. Looking back, if you're saved tonight, are you glad that the sower was faithful in your life who sowed that seed your way? Would you have been saved if that sower wasn't faithful? Would you have, would you, where would your life be without receiving the seed of Jesus? These questions are a challenge to myself. As I said, maybe they apply to you. I need to witness and sow seeds more often and more frequently. You can see from my experience, seed had to be sown multiple times with charity, love, and kindness. I didn't accept it the first time. I don't know who does. I haven't seen that happen yet. Sowers need to be faithful. What if, what if instead of being faithful, that sower has no root and temptation prevented them? What if instead of being faithful, that sower fell among thorns, the cares and riches and pleasures, and prevented them? I know we live busy lives. I do too. I can't be here every Saturday to, to witness to people and, 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 and do that. I have a family that I'm growing. That's not my season. And I'm not here to try to put blame on anyone. But we need to be faithful and at least witnessing in our lives. Sowers need to be faithful and stand. Now, I can easily get discouraged after witnessing and not seeing an immediate fruit. I would love to be a, a farmer. Can you imagine going around, plant a seed, water, poof, you got an instant plant. It's not how it works. It takes months. Especially in this day and age where almost everything is immediate satisfaction. As a sower, I want to see instant proofs. I still need to learn to rest on the Lord and be patient. So rather than letting the devil's fiery darts discourage me, we should look at 1 Corinthians 3 and be encouraged by what the Apostle Paul tells the church in Corinth. Now for sake of time, I'll read it out loud, but if you've got, turn there. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 8, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. When we sow, sometimes we will plant seed. Sometimes we will water. 
the seed. But it's God that will give the increase, and we should always give him the glory when that increase happens. In closing, the Lord recently encouraged me as I read through the Apostle Paul's second letter to Thessalonica. Paul's letter, stated, uh, Paul's letter should encourage us as sowers. And with the cares of this world, in 2 Thessalonica, chapter 2, verses 14-15, Paul wrote this. Whereunto he called you by your gospel, uh, sorry, by our gospel. I could personalize this by my gospel. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. And hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now be encouraged that when we walk with God, we are simply called to stand. When we simply stand for the Lord and obey the Lord, the Lord fights those fights for us. I think of examples like Joshua around Jericho. Did he have to do the work of destroying those walls? He had to walk around them. The Lord did that work. What about Gideon? They had to fight against the Medians and the Amalekites. God pared it down to 300 men to fight among men that were like grasshoppers for multitudes. <laughs> Now, they chased him, but they didn't have to do anything other than stand up at the right time, hold a light, and shout, blow a horn, and confuse the enemy. If he had done that without the Lord, they just would have been spotted. Finally, in Jehoshaphat, the Lord caused the children of Ammon and Moab to fight against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and destroy each other when all the time they were wanting to go after Jehoshaphat in Israel. In each of those occasions, they just needed to simply stand. So tonight, I'm just going to encourage you. Be a good sower. Sow that seed. Understand, you might have to sow it multiple times before your loved one gets saved. It did for me. And if you're going to be a good sower, let's stand. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Thank you for letting me speak the truth tonight. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as we go your way, I pray that we're able to be encouraged. Let us be faithful in handing out invitations to our church. And Lord, we thank you for the church that you've built here at Metro over the last 22 years, 23 years. And Lord, I just pray that you continue growing it. I pray that you continue watching over it and having your hand upon it. And thank you for letting it be here, for it's changed my life and my family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's a great reminder. As our Thanksgiving banquet gets close, who are we going to sow the gospel to? Maybe one day someone will stand and give a testimony. I came to this banquet and I ate a turkey dinner on my lap. And the 
people were so happy. And I heard the gospel for the first time. As the piano plays, would you, would you think of someone or several someones you could invite to the Thanksgiving banquet? was a great encouragement. You, what, a, what a blessing. That was a wonderful message. Pastor Tyler, I don't know if he listened in tonight, but he'll be proud of um, the men that preached while he was gone. Um, you've worked hard, and that was, that was really good. Amen.